0: Welcome everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by thehockeythinktank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. Talk about inspiration. This one might be the most inspiring episode that we have done in our four plus years of doing the Hockey Think Tank podcast because we are bringing on Jack Smiley, who is a college student athlete right now, Division three player at Endicott, who uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, had a stroke and he is on his journey to recovery right now uh very active on social media instagram and tiktok to um be exact but oh my god this guy's mindset this guy's outlook on life um this guy turning an absolute negative into something that gives him superpowers is so unbelievably inspiring and uh we're going to keep this intro short here today because we really want you guys to get to this podcast conversation with Jack. Before we do, let's bring on the talent of the podcast, Jeffrey J. Lavecchio Jeffrey. We're shaking, man.
1: Everything in my body because I'm about to go lift after listening to <laughs> Jack talk, man, you guys are literally just going to want to rip the hairs out of your head and run around on fire because I don't know what that would have to do with anything, but <laughs> this guy's story, man, it's just it's like you and i always talk about perspective and you know he said it we said what helps you in your, in your days that that are tough for you you know with with going through all this stuff and he's like honestly one of the biggest things that helped me was realizing that there's somebody in a way worse situation who's able to do
0: better than i am right now
1: and that's that was like
0: that was powerful
1: right and that's him yeah. using perspective and we're using his perspective and it's just he's he's dude he's just he's He's a bright light uh, in the world. I really, really, really respect this kid. I really like him. I've known him for probably about a year now, but first got to meet him a couple of weeks ago when he was in town for first form summer smash, because like myself, he's a first form athlete. And, uh, after being around him for like four or five days, I was like, dude, we need you on the podcast. People need
0: more. People need to know your story. Yeah. Yeah, dude. So inspiring. Like, yeah, I'm ready to, what did you say? I'm ready to like rip my hair out (laughs) (laughs) and run around on fire. Is that I, I don't know emotions. what I said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you don't do that, you're dead to me. Okay, I, don't even I come will. to the wedding
1: in two weeks.
0: <laughs> wow, it's two weeks from now, isn't it? <laughs> two Dang. weeks from now. Oh my Bex's god, is getting tied up. Woo. Let's go.
1: Woo. Um, want to hear something hilarious? I haven't told like anybody this, but I'll so tell you're going to tell I'm going to tell the, tell the world? listeners. World, okay? Yeah, I love them. I like um, it. I'm having a custom suit made. Like, uh, uh like. I've never had a custom suit made. Like, does Kylie custom. know this? Yeah, yeah, she knows. Oh, this. okay. Um, picked it all out. Like everything. Like fabrics. Like choose the cut. Like this guy does everything in St. Louis. He's awesome. His name is Taylor Jet in St. Louis. Does like NBA and NFL players and like famous people. Just cool guy. And, and so he's like, like wait. Yeah. He's like, what do you want uh, in the liner of the suit? And I was like, oh, I could do like GMBM, my logo. I could do like our, our wedding date. I'm like, what should I do in there? I'm like, let me get back to you. And then, bang, hit me, meat emoji. <laughs> so, <laughs> ah. of the suit that I had made only for my wedding day, I've got meat emojis when I open the suit up. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs>
0: like hundreds of meat emojis. As you were, um, as you were saying that. I was thinking you were gonna do something from the Wedding Singer. What? What? What would it have been? I don't know, but it's your Meatballs?
1: wedding. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> hold out your
0: hands! <laughs>
1: That's one of my favorite lines in that movie.
0: <laughs> oh, what a movie! Yeah, what a so, movie! Yeah, he's Woo. losing his mind. <laughs> I'm reaping all the benefits. <laughs> amazing! Amazing! Uh, I like it. Okay, so I do want to say. Uh, A quick congratulations. So Vegas won the Stanley Cup yesterday. And I want to say a quick congratulations to somebody who is one of my biggest mentors in the game of hockey. um, And that is Will Nickel. So Will Nickel was my coach, uh, my last year playing junior hockey for the Steel in Chicago. And he is now the director of player development for Vegas. And like one of the best people ever like created in the world. Just, he was a coach that, um, like we always talk about compliments for coaches as if like, he really cared about you, you know, like, yeah, that coach really cared about the players and stuff. Like nobody even comes close to, to will when it comes to like caring about his players. And I'm sitting here 20 years ish after I played for him, still keep in touch with him. Um, Talked to him the day before, um, you know they they won it, and obviously texted with them right after. Um, but I just want like a quick story. So, like, so he's director of player development for Vegas, and um, we have a Vegas draft pick on our team, uh, Jackson Howland. They drafted him in the third round, and so as a director of player development, uh, one of his roles is just to kind of you know, like, be around with their drafted guys and kind of go and watch them play and give them advice and you know just kind of track their progress whatever it may be and uh he he was at our games a ton this year like way more than any other scout or team or whatever than that i am aware of and by like a long shot an absolute long shot and um it's funny because i remember asking him like yeah you like you're you're around a lot more than, than like other teams. Cause we had a ton of draft picks on our team. And I was like, what's, what's the method behind that? And he's like, guys, just got to know we care about them. You know? So like, he's literally like showing up to, wow. Wow. you know, just have a simple conversation. And it's like, Hey, we care about you, man. We care about your development and you win with people. You win with people like that. Like that person will being in charge of your development of the players in your organization. Like imagine having somebody in charge of that, that cares that much cares that much spending time away from their family to make sure just for one simple conversation, you know, if, and they have, have plenty of drafted players, right? Like, Hey, like they know that we care. They know that we're invested in them. And dude, like that's, I mean, you think like, culture wins and people make culture. And I just, I I wanted to share that number one to publicly congratulate like somebody who I care deeply about who's one of the greatest people in the world, but also just like to, to kind of tell that story because like when you care about people, it goes a long way and you truly should. Everybody kind of like says, yeah, I care, I care, I care. But like, how many people actually go through and show people with action that they do. And I got to play for him, and I, I, I witnessed it firsthand being a player and I witnessed it firsthand still to this day. And I just think it's really, really cool. I'm so, so happy for him. Nobody deserves raising the Stanley cup, like watching him raise the Stanley cup on TV yesterday, like got me emotional. And I just, I think it's so cool, man just so cool. That's awesome. You're so right. And that goes back to our last
1: episode on mm-hmm. leadership. And we talked about the locker room, and we talked about culture and how it's everything, you know, it's, and that's what everybody's saying about Vegas. It's like the people there, it's not an accident. And that's just such a great example of a scout going to games, you know, probably helping him too, like with his game as well. If he's coming that much, which is like, that's so awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's just, you know, just one of the greatest guys in the world. And, um, the fact that he got to win the Stanley cup, dude. So, so cool. So, so cool. So congrats to, to well, one of the greatest Butchie, coaches out there. One of the greatest dudes out there as well,
1: man, Butchie, Coach coached me, uh, Cassidy, um,
0: and you really eighth, liked you know, him in too. Providence, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I liked him a lot. He was nothing but, but great to me personally and helped me with the team overseas. Uh,
0: they called him and he gave me a great reference and stuff. So, um, really happy for him too. Yeah, really cool, really really cool. Another guy too, Riley Smith, um, so good. So I was, uh, I got the chance to coach him in my one year at Miami. He was a sophomore year at the time. Uh, he was the line mate of Andy Mealy. Meals ended up winning the Hobie Baker that year, but you could see like Riley was special, man, like yeah. absolutely special. And he's one of the original misfits <laughs> in in Vegas. And it was really cool to see, you know, on social media today, um, just some of the behind the scenes, mic'd up stuff, you know, him and Carlson and March. So who are the guys that are, that started it all there in Vegas, were there the first year when they made it to the cup finals, just having their arms around each other, being like, man, we did it. Can you believe it? We did it. And, and Riley was such a special player. And, um, just yeah, like it's, uh, it it takes a lot to win the Stanley cup. (laughs) It takes a lot and, uh, really, really happy for those guys for sure. So really, really cool stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Yep. So uh, let's get over to Jack. Let's thank our sponsors and the people who make this possible before we do get over to him. So I want to thank Gel Sticks, our title sponsor, GELSTX.com. Go there to get some awesome weighted training sticks, golf clubs, or lacrosse sticks. Use the coupon code THINKTANK1WORD, and you will get a discount on those weighted training sticks. Jeffrey? I want to say thank you to Train Heroic,
1: amazing app that allows me to train thousands of hockey players yearly now all over the world organizations teams i've had a bunch of people reaching out to me lately from hearing me say this on the podcast so if you're a team or an organization looking to help your players help themselves level up for hilariously cheap quality workouts uh let me know talk to you how i do this all the different services i provide and the zoom calls that come with them that i think are very beneficial going over all the things that top and i talk about on the hockey think tank so thank you to train heroic also want to say thank you to Cured Nutrition. That's a CBD company um, that I am with, and I literally am obsessed with all of their products. I use CBD at least twice per day every day. Helps keep my brain nice and tight, keep my game strong, uh, and I got a discount with them if any of you want to try it. It's uh,
0: curednutrition.com, and the discount code is GMBM. There we go. And want to thank icehockeysystems.com as well. The best site out there for all your coaching education needs. They have thousands of drills. They have whiteboard explanations. Some some pretty smart hockey people. And you can get this for every coach within your organization by going to the associations tab. We have partnered with them to do this, and also, it's not just for the coaches, it's for the parents as well. So, with the Hockey Think Tank Parent Survival Guide, it is a part of the association's platform. So, uh, unbelievable service that these guys are doing! Awesome, awesome dudes doing a great service for the hockey world. So, go to icehockeysystems.com today. And thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody for continuing to tune in to our podcast. If you can, we're trying to get the word out there to as many people as we can. So if you can share us on your social media pages, share us with your email groups, your parent groups, if you think we're doing a good service for the hockey world, it just goes a long way to helping us spread the word. So we really, really, really appreciate you. You guys are going to, this is one of my all-time favorite episodes. Like guys, this this one, be, be ready. Like be prepared to to be inspired. This is amazing. So uh, without further ado, let's head on over to our conversation with Jack Smiley. We are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast. He's outside the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area. Got a little thing going with the Flyers too, which we'll get in, I'm sure in the podcast. Jack Smiley smiles. How are you doing today, buddy?
2: I'm good. Honored to be here. Honored to be invited onto the uh, think tank.
0: Well, should we are- be honored. <laughs> <laughs> you are in the presence of greatness. I don't know if you know, but Jeff Levecchia wakes up and pisses excellence. Oh! <laughs> I said that to somebody the other day, and they were like, "Ricky Bobby, yes." <laughs> we we're like, you like, we can be friends since
1: you know yeah, that. We you didn't not- know that, not friends. <laughs>
0: Oh man, well Smiles, we are so excited to have you on the podcast here. I know you and, and Vex have uh struck up a pretty good relationship here and we're really looking forward to introducing you to the people in the hockey world and outside for those of uh, you that don't know them, but uh, I have a pretty big feeling we're going to be a little inspired here through this conversation. And uh, uh, But the way that we typically start these off is we take it way back, and and I know you grew up right outside the Philly area, so um, tell us a little bit about how you fell in love with this great game of hockey. Was it the Flyers, or what, what was it?
2: No, actually, that's a story in itself. I'll try to keep it short, but yeah, born and raised with the Broad Street in my blood, and... I really wasn't a hockey – I don't come from a hockey family. You hear a lot of guys around my – at least that I played with at the higher levels would always have parents that played, so they got them into the game at two, three years old. They were skating before they could walk. And my parents were big skiers, snow skiers. So they took me to a mountain when I was young, around four or five I think it was. Took me to a mountain. I was – obviously terrible on skis at this point my first ever time and i was sent a lesson and in that lesson there was a kid who was nasty at my age and my parents went up to his parents and were like how did he get so good at such a young age they're like he learned his edges on the ice from ice skating he's a hockey player so my parents brought me to ice skating lessons to get good on the mountain so we could go on skiing vacations and stuff together and I wouldn't just get lost on the trail. <laughs> Fun fact: I haven't snow skied since they took me to the ice skating lessons. Fell in love with it, and the rest is history.
0: No way! That's yeah.
2: awesome. yeah. That's incredible. Haven't touched the ski since. Wow,
0: that's yeah. actually really amazing. Like that's not a story you- <laughs> we've heard. Like we
1: not
2: yeah.
0: not that way around. That's cool.
2: pretty unique one. Pretty unique one. Yeah, just so randomly out of nowhere
0: yeah your parents took you to skate to get you better at skiing and that decision by your parents made you not ski anymore
2: <laughs> never again never That's again wild. and then all their vacation time that they were probably hoping to obtain over the years just went right into a hockey tournament so oh man right drain. it's so selfish on my part looking back on it but <laughs> i was 3 years old 4 years old so What What a scumbag
0: you are. (laughs) 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 Oh, that's hilarious. So then when did you start like actually playing hockey and and when did you kind of get into it and kind of figure out that, hey, like I'm actually pretty good at this and I might be able to do something with this.
2: Ooh, that's a, that was a road for me too. I got into it initially when I was six years old. So the first skating lesson was when I was five. So I just started skating. Six years old, I played a little intramural three-on-three cross-ice league. Seven years old is when I officially made it to travel and played for a local youth team in the area where we were traveling everywhere all over the place. From there, it just took off. I loved it, but I was never really standout. I always was smaller than everyone. Believe it or not, I'm just, Jeff has seen me in person. i am got some size behind me now, but... I was always tiny, never really anything above average. I would always play on the top teams, but never was the guy anywhere I went. Always a bubble guy, moving back and forth, played a little double A here, played some triple A, went back down to double A. And then I actually didn't have any June. I knew I wanted to play college hockey. That was the goal from day one. I think it was the consistency that got me. Like, I would have good seasons, bad seasons here and there. But I always wanted to continue my hockey. And I knew, for me, that route, getting older, was going to be junior hockey. So I was really trying to get looks for that. Ended up playing my first year of 18U youth hockey at a double A organization where we, the coach was phenomenal, loved all the guys, but it was one of those teams that 12 guys would show up to a game. It was just brutal hockey. And from there, I was like, all right, still getting no junior looks, obviously, because no one's looking at this team. And then got into a triple A team for my next year. I was going to age out. I graduated high school, was planning to do a last year of youth hockey. And then had hip surgery, double hip surgery right in preseason before the season started. So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, how am I going to come back from this one? What am I going to do here? Ended up making it through hip surgery. And it was probably the best thing that could have happened to me, honestly, because I had hip impingements which weren't letting me get my full stride and weren't letting me get into certain positions on the ice that was inhibiting my play. Which I hadn't known about for years. I just thought everyone I needed to stretch more or something. So, get the hip surgery, and out of that, I tendered in the gnaw, and that's where I just I started to become better than your average hockey player. I would say played in the Noll for a uh, two seasons, and then ended up getting to Endicott. So that was my road
1: and you battled you battled in the in in juniors hey uh, our mutual friend which is how I met you big tall idiot uh John Serafin no just kidding I absolutely love John Serafin he's one of my uh college hockey guys who I've trained for you know years and years and years and, and you know he told me um about you and what happened and so I've talked to him quite a bit about you but uh I know, I know you battled. He told me that you were an absolute animal in the null. Uh One of those guys who you, you had to know that Big Smiles was on the ice if you didn't want to get ran over. Am I correct in that?
2: Yeah. With my size and playing in that league, which is a little bit of a grittier league, I definitely had to use that size. And, I mean, it was always an advantage once I grew into it and put on the weight, so... Once you have it, why not use it, right? So that became my role a little bit. I tried to do a little bit of everything because I could score. I could handle the puck a little bit when I wanted to, but yeah, if you had your head down, coming around the back of the net, that was my favorite thing in the world. <laughs>
1: Nighty night. Our listeners can't see and they don't know, but what are they, like six five two two twenty five now two thirty or something? What yeah,
2: yeah. Stop that six five on the height, and then officially weighed in at like two twenty two point three today on the scale. <laughs>
1: You know you're a meathead when you get the point there because I know Smiles is trying to get to 230 right now, so he's 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 taking every 250. He's taking every little decimal point he can get, and that's a huge win. (laughs) And when you guys hear uh, what he's coming back from here, for those of you don't know, it's actually really friggin' cool. Every decimal point that he hits,
2: yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, I want to get into that Smiles because, like you know, just not knowing you before this and and then just trying to do some research on you Um, before we had you on the podcast, like, you know, the, the the story is obviously pretty crazy, but how you have responded to what happened to you is something that I really want to get into because I think there's a lot of people out there that are listening that could really take a lot out of that in their own lives. Um, You know, but obviously before we do get to your mindset and, and how you've battled the situation you know, you you go to Endicott, you're in your second year, and you end up having a stroke on the ice. Um, so take us through that day. Um, I'm not even sure how much you remember or anything like that, but um, if you can't just what what happened and and uh, how'd you end up kind of getting through it?
2: Yeah, I. I actually get asked that all the time, whether or not I remember things. And if I was coherent, I was the whole time. There are definitely spotty moments where everything was just a blur, but I was coherent and remember a lot of it. And so it really starts probably three weeks before this actual stroke. I got hit on the ice just in a very freak accident, weird position. I had my head, well, you never taught to play with your head down obviously but the puck was coming from across the ice and went right between my legs so on the transition of looking up to following the puck and turning to track it right as i looked down to follow it between my legs a guy collided with me and it wasn't a big hit the guy wasn't trying to take my head off or anything I didn't even fall, but it just hit me in the perfect location that it pinched my head and neck in between my own shoulders and his body. So it was just a compression thing. And that fractured my C7 vertebrae in my neck. And so when that fractured bone fragment came off the bone, it sliced the artery that runs through my spinal cord. It runs through everyone's spinal cord, but sliced the artery and that artery needed to clot to heal, just like a cut on your skin would scab. It does the same thing internally. So it heal or it was healing, clotting to get that healing process started. And two weeks after the hit, it still wasn't fully healed yet. And I was in the gym and had a mini stroke. So I was just doing my normal workout. And I believe I've never actually asked a doctor this, but Given the timeline of things and how everything happened, I believe the increased blood flow level of exercise is what dislodged the clots because both of my strokes happened during that exercise phase where I was pushing my body. And so I had this mini stroke in the hospital a week before the actual stroke, two weeks after the hit. Fully lost control of my left side in that initial stroke, no movement, couldn't really talk very well they obviously called an ambulance for me at the school jam but by the time i got to the hospital i was back to normal i was completely fine nothing was wrong with me and so i actually ended up checking myself out i, I don't need to be here it's probably just a, i get complex migraines too or i used to i haven't had one in a while but I would get about two a year and they would come with some really weird symptoms. So I was just like, I'm good guys. Checked myself out. It's probably a headache. I'll go lay down or whatever. And my coach showed up and was like, that's not a headache. Go get yourself checked out. But nothing on the scans came back cause I wasn't experiencing anything. And then a week after that, I had the actual stroke on the ice, which dislodged the clot ended up getting stuck in my brain because of a two-on-one back check drill, the continuous back check drill. And that left me where I am today. It Completely paralyzed my right side, or I should say it put me on the journey I am today because I'm way farther along than I was before. But it initially left me with complete right-sided paralysis. Lit, anything you can think of. My throat muscles shut down so I couldn't eat Swallow, like, couldn't swallow food, couldn't drink, and I couldn't talk. I couldn't move my hand or arm at all, couldn't move my legs. My core muscles shut down. So I didn't even realize this to put two and two together until probably three weeks in. But every time I would try to sit up in the hospital bed, I would start falling over to my left side because my core couldn't keep me up. The imbalance there was just too much, and I was tipping over. But yeah. just completely shut off the motor or it snipped basically the connection from my brain to my muscles
0: crazy man
1: absolutely wild and for anybody who's listening if you go on instagram and you look up uh uh, smiles instagram it's his name jack smiley j-a-c-k-s-m-i the number one ey he got a little creative there with his uh <laughs> handle but the reason i'm telling you that is because you can see so many videos of him throughout his uh recovery process you know right after the stroke you know week after weeks after months after you know a year after now and, and see like it, it it's not, it's it was literally crazy how you know you've had to like you've had to relearn you know i had dinner with smiles uh, uh two weeks ago he was in st louis He's a first form athlete like myself, and so he was out here for Summer Smash. So we got to have dinner, and I got to put him through a workout, and uh, and hang out with him a bit. I actually, came to a bunch of my workouts in the gym and stuff. Um, and it was just it was wild to see like what's happening in his body, and and you know how he's battled to get it back from before I met him, you know, a year ago. And I got to watch these videos to see where he is now. It's very very friggin' cool what he's been able to to regain and and the the mental like, aspect of dominating his life that he's gained
0: from overcoming all of this stuff is why I asked him to come on the podcast here. Well, let's, let's dive into that smiles because like, I have some things that I wrote down just from kind of looking at some stuff and some articles and videos before coming on here. And one of the things that I thought was really, really cool about your outlook and your attitude towards everything that happened is you said something to the effect of, um, you know, it's a constant battle, but a battle, you have the power to, um, dictate who wins every time. Right. So you, there's a mental battle of probably feeling sorry for yourself on one hand, and then no, like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to see this as a, a positive thing as, as terrible, obviously as it was, uh, but a constant battle, but a battle, but you have the power to dictate to win every time. And so I just thought that was a really powerful thing. So if you can just kind of like take us through what that means to you in your battle and how you go from, you know, sometimes we all do throw pity parties or feel bad at, at certain times. And, and we're certainly allowed to do that when the tough stuff happens. But you've you've managed to take a, a really, really terrible thing and, and turn it into something that has fueled you to do so many great things. So take us through that mindset if you can.
2: Yeah, I well, I appreciate all the kind words there. Um,
0: there'll be more yeah. time,
2: don't worry. <laughs> I'm terrible at taking compliments, by the way. I'll just throw that out there. Yeah, hockey have player no idea. makes sense.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's
2: awful. But yeah, it the whole self-pity thing for me always I have so much that goes into that that created my mindset around just putting self-pity. Sort of out of the way like it's always there it's always a thought for me where it's like yeah I'm a 23 year old college athlete who was performing at a pretty high level doing all of the things he kind of set out to do like I dreamt of playing college hockey I worked my ass off to get there all this stuff was living a great life in my eye I didn't have everything in the world. I was obviously still a college student, but I was just everything I worked for. And then for it to be flipped just like that on a switch was, I spent some time in the hospital, definitely just crying my eyes out for that first week and thinking, why, why did this happen? Why am I going through this? But at the end of the day, I learned very quickly that if you spend all your time on that, you have no time left for progress and that very quickly evolved over the entire journey where everything to me was so much easier to do nothing like laying in my bed and watching TV wasn't frustrating. That's probably the only thing for me at this stage or at any stage throughout this journey that isn't frustrating because it still literally feels like my blood, my body's split in half. I have one side that does all the subconscious things well. And then I have one side that does none of it subconsciously. So even if I'm walking down the street, I have to think about, okay, my toes need to push off, my ankle needs to do this, my quad muscles need to flex this certain way. And that's, so frustrating especially in the bigger things like i just did yoga today and i do yoga once a week and it's by far the most frustrating thing i go through but for me it's choose your heart right like i it's easy for me to sit in front of the tv and do nothing because i'm not moving nothing is frustrating at that moment i can just blank out and watch tv but at the end of the day if i see a hockey game come on i'm like damn I should be doing something and get back to that level. Or if I see one of my friends out there doing something cool, I'm like, man, wish I could do that. And if I just sat there all day and did nothing, I would never have that opportunity. And maybe I maybe I won't. Like that's what doctors are saying. They have no idea. This whole journey has been completely unknown from day one. But I know I will in the back of my mind. Like it is what it is. I'm here why not set goals and achieve them?
1: Hell yeah, you're going to achieve them, bro. Oh. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. I, do you think that battling and hockey and what you went through and playing juniors and all those things, do you think that that helped your mindset to get you back from this injury?
2: 100%. 100%. Like I, I actually had this conversation with, a mom who reached out to me on Instagram, I'm pretty sure, it was a stri- I think it might have been a stroke survivor group call that I did. And she was just like, my kids really want to get into hockey, but hearing your story, I'm a little scared of it. I told her, I was like, my thing is such a freak thing. Like, you can't go into life scared of anything because you'll never achieve anything, right? You'll never have a cool experience because everything that's cool has a risk to it i'm like i told her i'm trying to get back to it i don't care that this happened i'm trying to get back to it and i told her i think everything that i went through built me into the person that i'm able to come through and handle it this way
1: first thing you said to your college hockey coach when you saw him what was it
2: (laughs) i can't wait to put someone through the glass next season
1: (laughs) <laughs> uh, yes in the hospital right in the hospital in
2: the hospital in my wheelchair i was still in a wheelchair at this point couldn't get up on my own had to have a squad of like three pts dragging me out to get me into the wheelchair and he I, he came in and we were talking about everything and i was just like you yeah, even man. talk
1: could you even talk at that point? Like, was I yeah, know you said, was I could at that you.
2: point, but it was very, very hard to understand me. I don't know the, I don't know how to describe it the best way. There's some videos on my Instagram, if you, I think one of them's pinned, but it was very, it was almost like I was trying to talk with a mouth full of water, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. I just it was sounded like i was talking underwater is basically what it was just cuz half of my throat muscles literally didn't work and it threw everything off and that started a progression just like everything motor function wise like back when i started to talk and it started to become more audible that was also a progression as well i'm still not 100% like you guys think I probably sound great and I never hear anything from anyone else because it's on the outside and you didn't know what I sounded like before too. But I slur my words every once in a while, words that I wouldn't slur before and just little tiny details like that, that I noticed. But yeah, I could, I could get stuff out to him at that time. And he looked back at me after I said it, he's like, you know, most people would be excited to score their first goal or, just have their first shift back, or have their skates touch the ice. I was like, nah, I want to put someone through the glass."
0: <laughs> so, Scott Stevens, somebody.
1: Yeah, so you're you're being weekend at Bernie's around it by three people because you're so big and you can't control your limbs. You're talking with a mouthful of marbles, and you're like, "I'm gonna run someone through the glass." I love it, dude. Until that's that's this guy's like you guys, I can't even explain to it. Like, it's amazing. I've been watching Smiley's journey. I got connected with him a couple months after the stroke. I mean, you were already talking like completely, you know, like you are now. So it was months, maybe, I don't know, eight months after your stroke. I'm not sure. Um, But I just trained him in the gym a few weeks ago. And like he said, like, there's some things that are really hard for him. So I, I put him through a bunch of different things to try and challenge his brain and his body and the connection of it. And like, uh, crawling was really, really hard for him doing like a bear crawl. Like he couldn't get his hand to like work correctly in his foot when we're moving in that type of way. But the reason I'm saying this is because then we'd go over and lift and he starts dumbbell bench pressing. I think he had nineties overhead and I'm like, in my head, I'm like, so this guy can't total like me. I'm like, he can't hold and on, <laughs> on a bear crawl, but he's dumbbell benching 90. I was like, like he's going all in. Like there was times where he'd fail and he'd fall and he'd get back up, and his body is shaking and he's just battling it. Like he he's the living embodiment of like give more, be more, and that's why he's got that hat on. You guys can't see, but that's right, baby. Of course, he well, wore dude, this interview. how,
0: how much? How much vex do you and I talk about on this podcast? The power of going all in on something, yeah, you know, yeah, and and smiles, that's what you're doing right now. Like, you're going all in on a situation that people are telling you you can't do, and you're like, Well, don't tell me what I can and can't do, and I'm gonna put everything that I have into it. And who knows what's gonna happen in the future? You might, you might not. I would certainly bet for you instead of against you, but like how, I don't know if like freeing is the right word, but like how motivating is it for you just in your own journey to be all in on this and be like, Hey, like there are people saying that I can't do this, but you know what? I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to do everything in my power to, to, to freaking do it. You know?
2: Yeah. I, I think that goes into it massively and that goes into everything you do. If you go after something, why wouldn't you go all in on it? i Moderation is for cowards. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love but, that.
0: Well, <laughs> but, you know what, though? Like, it, it, you know why people don't is fear. Yeah. People people I mean, don't go all in because they're fearful of failing. I mean, they're fearful of, you know, what other people are going to think about them. They're, they have all this fear that, like, they don't want to be judged if they don't end up getting the goal and achieving what they do. But at the end of the day, like. That's that's like a, a construct that you make up in your head that has yeah, nothing to do the, with anything in your own journey.
2: A hundred percent. And at the end of the day, everyone's got their own problems. They're way more focused on than whatever you're doing. And that's how I look at it as well. I used to, the biggest thing for me throughout this journey was when i got out of the hospital i got myself it was probably it was exactly actually a month and a week after the stroke that i got discharged from the rehab hospital so that was the first time i was allowed out and was in public again for the first time and at that point i got myself i got cleared 2 days before discharge to not use the wheelchair anymore i was just using a cane to get around and that was very difficult for me. It was took a whole process getting around. I was super slow. I was basically because I only had hip movement at that time. So my anything below my hip really didn't work. I, had some, I obviously had some quad strength and hamstring strength to keep me up. But my knee, ankle, nothing, my toes didn't work. So I basically just flop my leg forward. And for me, that was the toughest part of the whole journey besides probably getting broken up with this while during it but other than that like flopping flopping my leg forward all of this stuff like i felt horrible about myself going in public i remember going to a grocery store my first day out and being like I used to be a college athlete flying around the ice at 40 miles an hour and snapping pucks like no other. And now I can't push a cart through a grocery store like this sucks. And I was in my head about it. And then I just started actually creating a narrative in my mind. And this is why I think how you speak to yourself in your own mind matters more than anything. The words you say, spoken and unspoken to yourself matter more than anything in life. I just created a narrative. I was like, these people have no idea what's wrong with me, but they probably think I'm a beast for whatever I'm going through. And even if they didn't, it didn't matter to me. Like they could be sitting there across from me and judging me and looking at this kid who had half of a right side that was, or half of a left side that was jacked and half of a right side that was super skinny and being like, why does this kid look so freaky? But in my own mind, I was just thinking they thought of me as a beast for doing what I was doing. So I think that's everything in life. You just got to make sure you're, make sure you're talking to yourself the right way.
0: Man. I think that's unreal. And like, I've been thinking a lot about this and like, obviously in the off season you have some time to reflect and you have a little bit more time to think about things that are important. And, I just feel like you're here you are talking about like, you know, a little bit self-conscious at first and you're going through this new journey and your body's not working the way that it used to and it's not looking the way that you used to. And buddy, you like leaned into it. Like you leaned into it. You went from being insecure to putting everything out on Instagram and, and TikTok and allowing other people to like see your tough moments and see you in a light that like you used to be this big hulking six foot five two whatever it was like guy that puts people eight, in- eight yeah hit point eight yeah and uh, uh dude, like I think I think there's something really powerful not to get too deep here but like I think there's something really powerful about leaning into vulnerability. Like vulnerability for me now is it's a superpower. It's an absolute superpower because it gets you back to like the essence of who you are and who you want to be. And especially when you can like be a mentor or be a light to somebody else that might be going through something similar. And it might not be the same thing as like going through a stroke, but there could be somebody going through a tough time that all of a sudden, because you were vulnerable on your Instagram page or your TikTok page, now they have been inspired by you. And it's people helping people and, and not only are you helping other people, but by helping other people, you're helping yourself because you're feeling better about the things that you're doing too. Right. And so I just think that's such an admirable trait and it's such a hard thing to do, like leaning into your vulnerabilities and leaning into your weaknesses and stuff. And then like actually like talking about it, um, because we all, especially us dudes want to portray strength and, you know, we all want to be like Jeff Levecchio, but we, we just can't, you know, it's, it's impossible. But, (laughs) uh, I do, I commend you so much for that because like you're helping a lot of people by, by doing that. And like, I don't know, like, do you, do you get notes? Like you, you mentioned the one woman reached out to you, but that was a little bit more of like being scared. But like, do you get DMS and messages from people who are like, dude, like you made me get some major perspective and help me with some things that are going on?
2: Yeah, 100%. And that's why I keep doing it, honestly. like I tell people all the time I would delete social media if it wasn't for those people. I hate everything about it, but the way I'm affecting people's days, just telling a little bit about my story means everything to me and hearing the feedback on it. It's not super often because I'm not as big of a celebrity as Jeff over there, but... (laughs) every once in a while
0: don't say that please i don't (laughs) need any more tire pumps for him he does it enough for himself
2: (laughs) but yeah there's some incredible messages as you said before it comes from people who are going through everything not just strokes it'll come from someone who had just a bad day at work or was feeling like skipping the gym that day and being like hey man you're your video made me get up and get after it because if you can why can't i kind of thing and i definitely get a lot of messages from stroke survivors as well which is probably the coolest part to me because i i get the journey and i get the battle that they're on but i do think that everything happens for a reason i think i was put in the spot to handle it this way and really provide my mentality and the things that i've learned through this hardship to people who i don't even want to use the term less because whatever your reality is that's how hard it's going to be like i never would have imagined myself in this position handling it the way i did if my buddy went through it and was going through this journey i'd be like dude i don't know how you're like i i wouldn't even want to get out of bed or show my face or do anything i i don't know how you're doing it but being put in it is completely different and i think everyone has it in them i just want to provide the message before it gets to this extreme and i think that's kind of why it happened
1: hell yeah dude and i think it's so massively important for people who've been through extremely hard things um, and like you said, like in our own heads, whenever we go through a hard time, whether it's hockey, life, business, like it doesn't matter. It's in our own heads when we think it's like the hardest thing ever. Like we feel that it's as hard as somebody else's hard, you know, like so. But to hear you going through something a- and so challenging and being able to, to battle back and have such a positive mindset, like everyone needs that. Everyone like, like it's a superpower that. You're putting out there every day, like, look, like I'm able to battle through this. Like you can battle through whatever it is you're battling through. I promise you. And that's really friggin' powerful. It really is. And I think so many people connect with it. Uh and I'm really happy you're doing it, man. I, I mean, I think that you're gonna be one of the biggest speakers in the world. Like, like what, what you're doing and the the effect you have on people, it's it's amazing. And I, I'm drawn to you because i you know I went through something not similar at all I'm not trying to like have a parallel right but like oh, if it I have
2: similarities I've, right? heard, I've heard your story for sure
1: you know and 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 I felt the same way the same things like like oh I could give up it could be so easy I could just sit there it's the only time like I don't feel down or whatever and and it's like no man like you, you keep moving forward you keep finding a way you keep finding the next little inch the next inch the next inch and you just keep doing it and since you're doing it and you're talking about it you're helping other people find that next inch that next step that next mile in their journey whatever it is and it's it's really really powerful and i'm happy you're doing it for for everyone across the world for hockey players for everybody
2: i appreciate that heavily coming from you as well yeah. and i i do think it. It comes down to that right there. It's just finding the next step, finding a way. And there's a, I mean, there were a few phrases that really stuck with me and kind of drove my entire recovery from day one. But a massive one was there's someone out there doing better with worse. There's someone out there that has it way worse that is doing more And at the end of the day, when you look at it like that, like you're not, whatever you're going through, I guarantee you it's not the worst out there. So be grateful for what you do have. I woke up every day after I, I gave myself, I am actually pretty damn proud of this. I gave myself a week for a little pity party. I was in the ICU where I actually couldn't do anything for a week. And that was really, I think I cried Every drop of tear my tear ducks had, I just, it was complete shock. It was the YME, it was what the heck is going on. Just every emotion hitting me like a brick wall. And then the day they transferred me to the rehab facility was actually an off day. They transferred me on a Sunday just like no therapists were And I was sitting there, like, when do I get going? Like that was the day that it flipped. I was like, okay, you either sit here and cry like a baby for the rest of your life, just sitting there watching TV shows, or you get up and get after it. And what you said is perfectly hitting the T on the head right there is you have no idea what end steps will do 15 steps will do you just focus on the one foot in front of you. And at the end of the day, when you think of it like that, whether that's a failed first step, or not, you're making progress you can't Movement. fail if you can't fail if you're learning you're moving forward so yeah, that was right. just everything for me was what is my next step it became a very focus on every single day when the day get to the end and then focus on tomorrow
1: was there anybody that d- during that process that helped you with that mind shift a friend a family member a doctor you know i know you're i know you're a big fan of like andy frazella like were there were there people that you started listening to or when you have moments of doubt or hard times throughout this journey which i'm sure you have you know quite a bit like what do you do who do you lean on where do you go to
2: i actually i want to say all of it just everything from everyone the support i had was incredible from day 1 I, my mom actually, I think is the one that I don't remember this, this part of it was a blur, but she told me a couple months ago about a moment that we shared the first time they tried to get me up walking in the ICU. And at this point, I had no function. So I was sitting there like, how do you expect me to walk when I can't move a single thing on my right side, I'm just gonna I'm falling over trying to sit up in bed, I'm just gonna fall flat on my face. And I couldn't even speak at this point, so I was just like, in my mind, "What are we doing? What are we doing? I'm gonna fall over."
1: So, and so, so they're trying to get you up, and you're in your head, hundred, and you can't yeah. even say like, "No,
2: no, don't do that. I'm gonna <laughs> get injured." I was just so here like, "Here goes belly flop." Oh. <laughs> so, and my mom came in, and she could see I was like getting either emotional or frustrated or something with the physical therapist that came into my ICU room and she sat me down and we had a talk. I forget exactly what the words were. I didn't even remember the conversation, but she told me about it and I know she fired me up in that moment. And it was just like, look at everything you've overcome already. Like this is just another step in the process. And From that moment on, that was when it that was the switch flip. So I contribute that to her. And then all throughout, I had friends reaching out about I know I had one buddy that sent me one of Saquon Barkley's posts when he tore his ACL. And his first post back on Instagram was like the day after he tore his ACL. And it was the picture of him getting carried off the field. And it was just like the caption was this is going to be one hell of a story. And that sort of became my motto through all of it. It was just, all right, this is just another chapter in my book. It's going to make it one hell of a book to read. So just everyone from every corner, everything fueled into it. And I do go back to, I just think, every influence I've had shaped me into who I was to take care of it. Like if I'm having a down moment, I don't really go to anyone anymore. I just internalize it. I'm like, I know this is one of the biggest lessons. I think I've learned for life moving forward is everyone's going to have up and ups and downs It may be more extreme for me, given what I'm going through, but it's, I can look back on the times I was healthy and, be like, I had ups and downs. I was going through shit periodically. And for me, I realized fully that those are temporary now. Oh, it could be a week, it could be a day, it could be an hour, it could be a month, but it's going to be temporary. And if you do what we talked about earlier, just keep putting one foot in front of the other instead of quitting, you're going to make it through.
0: What do you got, Vex? I'm just like
1: in awe. I, I came from the gym right into this interview, and I might be going back at right
0: after.
2: <laughs> uh, like,
1: I got to put some more feet in front of the other ones and
0: stop making excuses here. Well, s- s- Jack, let me, let me, um, let me. Like, I, I kind of want to know a little bit more about, like, obviously, the hockey community and being a part of a hockey team is special, right? And you you just talked a lot about like the support that you got. And I don't know if you are familiar with the story of what happened with our team here at Michigan, but we had uh, a junior defenseman for us that uh, got a virus and seizured and um, almost died and had to be taken to the hospital in an ambulance. Uh, He was in a coma for... Um, I can't remember how long—like four, five, six days, something like that. Um, there was a time where we weren't sure if he was gonna make it, and um, he he came out on the other side. But just like going through that adversity as a team and as a group. And just like the love that was created out of that really, really difficult time of guys caring about their teammate and wanting to make sure that he was okay. And then in his recovery, like people just making sure that he was taken care of and and things like that. Um, I, I know what that did for our group. It just in terms of like giving us so much, so much perspective, number one about what's really important, but also number two, like just the the togetherness that was created out of that hardship was something that will never be able to be quantified. And it's like hard to even talk about how impactful that was because like you don't really know unless you were in the room, you know, and you saw the tears and and you saw, you know, the first time that Holty came back in the locker room and and what he looked like and and then, like you know, he ended up getting back, and he scored the freaking game-winning goal in the playoffs. Um, in in our first game against Wisconsin in overtime, and and like I'm sitting up, I'm freaking crying after. Like, <laughs> like it was just like the coolest thing ever. But like, yeah. my my question to you, just as a hockey player, being a part of the hockey community, how did your teammates, how did those people that were close to you rally in the toughest of situations around you? how did that make you feel and just like talk about your experience of like just that kind of like galvanizing of everybody um, as you were going through it. And then in, in like the, the near future after that.
2: Yeah. Of one, I want to say very thankful that your guy in Michigan made it through that and it built something in the team. And then he had such a cool moment coming back like that legitimately brought a smile to my face. and that's Okay. So you
0: heard moment. that or saw that? Yeah, it was.
2: Yeah. That's, that's awesome.
0: It was unreal. It was unreal. Like it was, I mean, in, in Yost Michigan fans, like is pretty crazy. And, and I remember the first game that he came back, we started him, and the, and the crowd went nuts. Like it was, it was just like a really galvanizing and we were obviously so happy for him in his journey and his recovery um and 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 just it just yeah it it just kind of like forces you to figure out what's important in life you know
2: (laughs) perspective there are people there are people around that situation that gravitate towards it and get something from it and there are people who don't but everyone in the hockey world gets it and that's why they're part of it I mean I actually we were forget i think it was at the table with you jeff and st louis we were talking about why hockey has such characters because we spend so much time around our parents yeah. and that just carries i never thought about it until we talked about it but it's true like we have so much time to build character around the influential people in our life before we become adults and that just carries through everywhere I feel like hockey is special hockey is special at every single level anywhere you go there's just character and community everywhere and that's no different at Endicott it was incredible I had guys reaching out to me before I even left the ICU saying what can I do what can how can I get there how can we bring the team over and I was like dude I can't even use my phone right now I know mom <laughs> text about but It was, and it was tough because of COVID, COVID restrictions got in the way a ton at the hospitals, but any chance they got, we were having, renting or reserving the party or little meeting gathering room in this hospital for all the guys that were able to, to come over and we'd have groups. We were only allowed groups of 10 and probably everyone would came, but guys would shuffle in and out of just coming to visit and first time I got back on the ice, I couldn't tie my skates yet because my fingers didn't work on my right hand. So guys were tying my skates for me, doing all everything they could to help support the journey in every single way. And not just them, but everyone, parents of other teams reaching out. I had a GoFundMe page at the very beginning that was started for me. And one of our biggest rivals started a fundraiser at their school to donate to my campaign and they raised i think six over 600 600 bucks or something like that at our rival school that's and awesome it was actually a buddy i played with in juniors who now plays there started it but that just shows you how tight everything is everyone everyone is there for everyone like our on ice stuff stays on ice you fight you do all this stuff it's the most aggressive but also most beautiful sport in the world and guys handle this stuff on the ice and call you every single name in the book and some things you probably never even thought existed and then afterwards you go get a beer with them it's it's a cool community for sure
1: even even after you put somebody through the glass they still raise money (laughs) for you (laughs) hey
2: yeah yeah i mean it's it's special. It really is special. And I can attribute a lot of my recovery to it. All the support meant a ton.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. So it's uh, it's one of those things. You can never do anything alone. You know, I, I think like, you know, you two guys, Vex, I obviously know you really well. And so I was just like hearing your story are probably two of the most self-disciplined people that are out there. You still can't do it alone. <laughs> you still can't do it alone you need people to help you you need people to put an arm around you when you need it you need people to give you a kick in the ass when you need it um we, we never do anything in life alone and and it's hilarious just the the hockey world how that is like your freaking rival school puts a gofundme page to together for you you know that's uh that's a pretty special thing and um yeah the hockey community is just it's something different i love it and now
1: and now you're uh you got an internship with the Flyers? Yeah. What we got going yeah, on, baby? Go.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Started up on Monday this week. Oh, Interning you already went? With the, yeah. Yeah. Today was the third day.
1: Hell yeah. Third How's day. it going? What's your role? How'd that come it's about?
2: sick. It's actually so cool. So I have a buddy at Endicott who's part of the men's hockey team there. His father's the assistant GM. And so when I had the stroke... They sent me a bunch of stuff in the hospital. They did everything they could to help me out and sent me a little care pack the sweatpants. There's another really cool side story of this. Actually, I'll get into it really fast. But Kevin Hayes' dad was the room next to me in the hospital. Like, how wild is that? But yeah, so I was wearing all my Flyers gitch in my wheelchair and... <laughs> <laughs> He's going by in his wheelchair because he had a stroke right around the same time as me and obviously not a cool situation, but just a wild story, but literally the room next to me and he's like, Hey, stop. Like we're both having our therapists push us past <laughs> each other because neither <laughs> one of us is like doing anything. And he's like, Hey, hold on. And as we both stop and he's like, yeah, my son plays for that team. I was like, no way, who are you?
0: <laughs>
2: and uh yeah, ended up being Kevin Ace's dad, which was pretty wild. And then um, but yeah, going back to how I got this whole thing started, they sent me all that in the hospital. And I think through that first initial send off and connection that the flyers sent all that stuff out, torts heard of my story. And then like fast forward, probably six, eight months ish around, they give me, a or the kid that I know at Endicott reaches out to me because I'm still at home doing all my therapy and stuff. And he's at school and he shoots me a text. He's like, yeah, would you be down to go tour the Flyers facility? Towards, I did a news article and Torts, I guess, saw the news thing and saw that i was making such insane progress and he reached out to my buddy's dad and was like hey can we have this kid back i'd like to meet him is what i like the story that i heard so that was pretty damn cool and yeah got to go toward the facility and sit down with torts for like 30 minutes we just shot the shit for 30 minutes before practice and it was, like, I was trying to ask him about stuff he's done and his experiences, and he was just purely, like, rifling questions at me about mine. He was like, dude, how'd you do this? Why, like, what was your mentality like here, and how'd you get through this? And I was like, whoa... <laughs> he studied curious you
1: about me yeah, yeah. torts torts yeah. studied you man yeah. that's so cool that was
2: wild that was a wild moment so that was a really cool thing to do just to meet such a respected guy in the like hockey atmosphere obviously and everything he's done his sort of his mindset around how he plays and coaches his teams is pretty cool so That just got the ball rolling. I was there for the day, and then after that, because I'm an exercise science major and have such a – we've talked about it. I have such a passion for all the off-ice stuff that goes into performance, and I love the gym. And I was just like, hey, would this be a possibility? And they were like, yeah, we'll we'll check in with the strength and conditioning team. So interning with them for the summer, rest of the summer, I'll be with the guys
1: unreal, unreal man. man so cool
2: so cool yeah. I yeah. can't,
1: can't teach him bear crawls
2: though <laughs> Dude, I was doing bear crawls today are you getting yeah, any I'm better not... yes uh yeah I mean I think there's probably it's hard it's really hard for me to tell day to day like yeah. what we did what was that two weeks ago now yeah I yeah. I don't notice any differences in that amount of time if you were to Because I still do that stuff, period. Like, I don't shy away from anything that is frustrating for me because that's the shit that's going to get me where I need to go. If it's – I think you said it to me a while ago. If you hate to do it, it's probably because you should be doing it. And so I do all that stuff all the time. And when I do things all the time, I don't see the progress because I'm at a point now where – it every day feels the same. and that's the hardest spot hardest spot to get through doing anything in life. whenever everything feels the same, it's just like, all right, another day. But that's when you look back and if you were to see me now, maybe maybe two weeks, but give it another month, I guarantee you I'll have made some type of progress on it. Hell it's yeah. just tough because my toes don't work. It's so right. brutal.
0: Right. Right. Well, you talk about like the day to day monotony and and, like how difficult it is to like take steps at certain points. Like, obviously, what happened to you was really, really difficult and, and took you from, you know, here to here. And then right when you started your recovery, you probably went like up to here and then at some point it kind of plateaus you know, as, as your body is figuring stuff out, but like, that's what greatness is. And we talk about it all the time. Like greatness is found in the monotony. Greatness is found in the ability to take the mundane and the boring and turn it into something that is like special, you know, just by doing this because again, like it's so cliche, you can only get 1% better every single day. But those people who, do that every single day. Those are the ones that end up on top, you know, in the end. So I know you're not going to get bogged down by, and it's the other thing too, like in the monotony, when people don't see the results so many times they quit because they're like, ah, I'm not seeing the growth anymore. So, you know, putting my all into this, it's just as, you know what, it's not worth it. Like, screw that. Like you may not see it. In the day to day, but a month from now, a year from now, two years from now, a decade later, like if you're still doing that stuff, just imagine all of those little tiny successes compounding and compounding and compounding and compounding and compounding. And, you know, here you are like, you know, joking about how your toes don't work, but like, just imagine when you play your first college hockey game again, right? 100%. That's it's gonna be that that battle is gonna be won. You talked about battles before, like that battle is gonna be won in the mundane and not getting discouraged and not getting frustrated with the lack of success that you're seeing on a, you know, on a day to day basis. But like, it's there. Maybe you can't see it, but it's there. And and when you finally get to the edge of the uh, edge of the cliff and you're finally like looking down at like, you know, the the ultimate goal, like it's gonna be there, Ben. It's so cool. yeah.
2: Yeah, and I mean, that goes back to the classic discussion and debate over motivation versus just pure dedication to it. Everyone always is, I get this a lot. I'm sure you do too, Jeff, and I'm sure everyone does, but who does anything successful, but I get, how do you stay so motivated? How do you stay so motivated through this process? I'm like, motivation's made up motivation is fairy dust. Like that's, that'll Amen. get you started. That'll get you going. That's what, like I had motivation in that first day laying in my hospital bed, staring at the hockey game on the screen. Like I want to get back to that. And that threw me into the process, but from the, I can probably count on my one hand, the amount of times I've been motivated to get up in the morning and do what I'm doing. So it is that battle of constantly going through the dedication to do it. Even when you're not seeing results is like, I do I want it? Yes. Am I going to go through what I have to go through to get it? Yes. Even if that sucks. So.
0: Dude, I, I love what you're saying there. And, and one of the things that I've learned is that action breeds motivation, not the other way around. Ooh. And I think, what everybody sees as motivation is like, I need to get motivated before I act on something. When in reality, if you just do the action, that will trigger the motivation for you to continue to do it and continue to do it and continue to do it. And that's why it's so hard to be great. And that's why so many people end up, you know, not reaching their full potential is because they're waiting. But again, it's the fear, like a fear of failure, fear of judgment, whatever it may be and like you you just have to do you have to do yeah. you have to take that first step and you've done that how many different times you know in 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 your journey where it's like okay i i haven't been able to do this thing that i've been able to do my entire life well let's just take a step and get us there and then you take another one and then another one and then there's another hurdle you know and then you take another one and then there's another hurdle and then there's a freaking boulder and then there's a freaking mountain but like you know like he, he, it, it's it's amazing to hear you say that like i can count on one hand the times i've actually been motivated to do it but you did it and you because did. you did it you got more motivated because you got a little bit closer to your goal and you saw a little bit of that as success you know and i just i freaking love that man i'm i'm so like i'm so pumped right now i'm going to the gym too vex <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's gonna do two push-ups fam <laughs> well, Mo- momentum is a magnifier too you know like you have to get momentum and and if you're weighted, you know i hate dude i hate it's just ugh, when people are like i'm gonna start in two weeks after this and i'm like what why don't you just go right now like you can drop down on the floor right now when we're specifically talking about like health and wellness and take care of yourself why like you don't need to go anywhere do 10 air squats and 10 pushups that was a start that gave you a little bit of momentum it's that first little step and then that ball will start to roll down the hill and it'll gain momentum it'll gain a little bit of speed stick stones picking up all of a sudden it's a massive crater rolling down the mountain but that doesn't happen without that first step and so i i dude it's i love that you're saying that cuz that stuff drives me nuts it's like no Right meow. If you want to do something like write meow, start now.
2: Hey, I, exactly.
0: I don't think craters can roll down a mountain. All right, you know what I'm saying.
2: It's, <laughs> it's I late. knew what you were saying. Yeah, you a know hole it's,
1: in the mountain is not <laughs> going to roll down the mountain. I've had a sore mountain. throat for a month <laughs> and a half. The acoustics aren't right in here. Okay, it's not my fault. <laughs> it's,
2: it's never your fault. Blame it on the stick. Blame it on the, it on the stick.
0: It's the the stick hey, it's too <laughs> he just he just shot a shot that went wide, and then he did the typical look at just the blade. look at the stick. Oh, right there.
1: Yeah. It's definitely
2: the stick. Give him a new one. Life. Give him a little flex. There's got to be a crack somewhere. <laughs> it's,
1: yeah, it's got to be Always the right? stick's fault. <laughs> you missed the breakaway. <laughs> stick's Never bald.
2: mind. Never my fault. Oh, you man. That if i if about to stick the word.
0: <laughs> well, Smiles, um, this has been awesome, man. I got, I got one other thing for you here um, before we let you go. And it, it has to do with adversity. And like one of the articles that I read about you, somebody asked you, if you had any advice for anybody going through adversity, what it, what would it be? And, and what you said was you can't measure heart and resilience, you know? And I just think that's so powerful, but in your journey, you know, when you're being asked that question, Um, By a reporter, like, what does that actually mean to you? You can't measure heart and resilience. You obviously need those two things to get through what you've went through. But like, expand on that a little bit, because it's another very, very powerful thing.
2: Yeah, I, I actually have a pretty cool story for this one. And I think it's very relatable to just about anything you go through in life, because anything realistically that you want to achieve Is going to be unknown. You're never going to know the result before you start. And for me, this whole journey has been a life lesson in that. I didn't know my outcome. Doctors weren't telling me one way or another if I would get 10% back or if I'd get 90% back, if I'd get 40. It was just, hey man, every stroke is different. You'll make recovery, but I won't set your expectations too high on things. And for me, in the back of my mind, I remember saying to a doctor, I'm not going into this, trying to be a statistic. I will be the standard moving forward. You will tell your new stroke patients about me. And that was my whole thing. It was like, they don't know. So I'm going to write the script. And at the end of the day, you can't measure someone's heart. And I looked at that as a good thing that they weren't telling me where I would end up because I was like, "I'll show you what I'm made of. I'll show you that." And I had another moment. Those were probably my two most, or I have a couple moments that I'm very proud of through the process. But I also three week, or it was while I was in the ICU, so about. I think it was the day I was getting discharged, my neuro specialist, who was the guy that I was dealing with through the entire ICU journey who was coming in telling me where I was at, what was going on and monitoring me came in and was saying goodbye and stuff. And I looked at him while they're stretching me out of the ICU to get into the ambulance to go over to the rehab facility. I looked at him, I was like, you'll see me on the ice in three weeks. And I didn't know what a stroke was at this moment in time. Like I knew, cause I had spent a week going through it. I knew what I was going through, but at the same time I was like, Oh, like give me two weeks. I'll be fine. I'll be back on ice with the guys playing the rest of the season. I'm good. And he looked at me and was like, don't, like I believe you'll get on the ice again one day, but don't, set expectations like that. That was the moment where they told me about expectations. And he's like, don't I wouldn't set expectations like that. You'll just disappoint yourself. And I have nothing bad to say about this doctor. He's by far one of the best doctors I've worked with through the entire journey. He was just trying to borderline that, like keep him happy, but also don't want him to set himself up for false hope. And in that moment, I was like, you have no idea. You have no idea because you don't you have this the statistics of everyone but you don't know what I'm made of. And I got on the ice in three weeks, it was with a walker and a kid like walker and two therapists were holding me up, but I ended up getting on the ice. And I got to go back that day. Later that day, I had a follow up with him. So I exactly three weeks I was able to take in the video and be like see I told you three weeks look at that and I think that's that's what the heart and resilience means like no one out there no matter what if it sounds impossible to someone they just don't know what you're made of so go after things you have a passion in regardless of what anyone else thinks
1: let's go oh my god man let's go i freaking love that i just want to throw so many swear words out right now because
2: i'm so good, but he i want to do it.
0: throw seven different kinds of smoke seven out there. different kinds i'm so happy Dude, that's you. what
2: i'm talking about I'm On the omniotics you never know what you're gonna get you're gonna hear some words you never even thought you knew <laughs>
1: Oh my god that just reminds me of uh what's that movie where like the end movie like the credits some 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 guy who was like a uh not a good guy in the movie they open the door the girl drops down and punches him in the nuts and she goes
0: oh that's you what know happened why. in Vegas
1: what yeah, happened she, in Vegas yeah she goes you know why and, like that was you to that doctor you're like yeah i did it 3 weeks let's go 3 unreal. weeks unreal man that was a really unreal.
0: funny movie by the way um <laughs> But hey, Jack, this dude, this was, this was unreal. Hey, Vex, this is gonna be like Parksy's episode.
1: Hell yeah, it is, man. Couldn't have ended a better way. That story just fired me the F up, man. Like so cool. So happy you came on. Guys, I'm telling you, follow Jack's journey on, on Instagram. He's got TikTok too, I think, but Instagram is where I follow him and it's, literally every day you know every other day he's putting up something that literally like gives you perspective and makes you want to run through a wall and i'm telling you this guy is going to help a lot of people um stroke victims and just anyone who's looking to like find how to how to be successful how to push past their limits how to push past you know the uh, uh, ceilings that people have put on them right like that that ceiling only exists if you let it exist and jack has proven that every every day so thanks for coming on bro we
0: appreciate it man
2: thank you very much for having me truly an honor to be asked
0: i don't know if i've ever been this jacked up after an episode dude yeah go do some push-ups that's what
1: you do when you get pumped up like this oh you're a man and you have testosterone you gotta do (laughs) (laughs) push-ups
0: all right let's go (laughs) All right, Jack. Thanks so much, man. I know we'll keep in touch, but this was this was really, really cool. Really, really cool. So happy to have you on. It's gonna make a big impact.
2: Thank you, thank you for all the kind words. I really don't know what to say because I just still suck at taking compliments. But thank you so much for having me. It, it really is an honor to be asked to do this okay. stuff. So thank you. Okay.